invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Joining us today for Song of the Soul is Peter Blood. Peter is perhaps best and most widely known as the co-creator of the group sing-along book, Rise Up Singing. With more than a million copies sold, Peter Blood's book has been of invaluable nurture and encouragement to countless groups and individuals. Peter has also enriched the world by helping Pete Seeger co-author Pete's autobiography, Where Have All the Flowers Gone?, but Peter Blood's spiritual and musical journey is well-deserving of close listening all in itself. He joins us today by phone from his home in Amherst, Massachusetts for Song of the Soul. Peter, it's great that I finally got you to join me for Song of the Soul. It's great to be here. You're over there in Massachusetts, right? You're not where you used to be. You used to be Pennsylvania for a really long time, didn't you? Yeah, we lived there about 30 years. That must be hard to leave some place that you've been connected to for that length of time. Why were you in Pennsylvania, and what took you away? I moved there right after college, I guess, to be involved in some anti-war work, but it was extremely easy to leave. I had been wanting to leave for a long time, and it was just a question of getting the other half of the marriage on board with it, and finally my long-term campaign was successful, but I love it up here. Were you involved with Movement for a New Society? I, I'm thinking you were, weren't you? Yes, I was. I lived in a what they call a life center, a couple of life center houses for, I don't know, I guess about five years. And where was that at that you did that? Most of the houses were in West Philadelphia, and I did live in some of those houses in West Philadelphia, but one of the houses that I lived in was actually in North Philadelphia, which was a, a house with other young Quakers that was doing work on trying to end North American oppression of Latin America, and we decided to live in a kind of Spanish-speaking neighborhood in North Philadelphia. Where did you grow up, and were you Quaker from the start? I was. Um, I actually was born in a very interesting location. After World War II, there was a man named Cecil Hinshaw who became president of a very small Quaker college in Iowa called William Penn College, which was sort of struggling and not doing very well. And he brought in a lot of very progressive Quakers to be faculty and also to be students at this small Quaker college. And my father was one of the faculty that he brought in. And for about three or four years, this little tiny town in Oskaloosa, Iowa, was filled with very radical Quakers. It was a very exciting place with lots of ferment and things like that. 
and the whole thing came crashing down because some of the board of directors of the college, who were probably not even Quakers, were very upset to see blacks and whites walking hand in hand down this small town in Iowa at the time. And so they fired Cecil, and most of the faculty and student body left in protest, including my father. But that was a nice kind of beginning to my life to live in this place. And I spent most of my childhood growing up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, the college town. You know, I know you as a music person, as a folk musician, as a song leader, teacher. When did you start getting connected with music? Is this a childhood thing? Was your father a singer as well as a professor? He didn't ever do it professionally like I do, but he liked music a lot. Uh, He used to play string quartets faithfully every week. He played the cello. As a child, we would have families. Lots of Our whole basement was filled with people singing the Messiah, and members of the University of Michigan faculty in the music school would come and sing solos to the Messiah or play instruments, and we'd have this wonderful basement filled with music a little bit before Christmas, and then it got too big for that place to do it, so they moved it for a while to the Quaker Meeting House in Ann Arbor, and then when it got too big from that, they moved to some bigger hall, and they still hold these annual participatory Messiah sings in Ann Arbor, Michigan, At least sometimes when we've gone back to visit, they've said, and this thing originally began in Bob and Margaret Blood's basement in in Ann Arbor. But we used to also sing around the campfire and things like that. And when I was in high school, there were young friends groups, both that met at the Quaker Meeting House there and kind of at the yearly meeting level and things like that, which are regional gatherings of Quakers. And I would be a song leader back then, and we would run off little song sheets to have people have the words And I kept doing that for years and years for different groups that I was part of, groups like Movement for New Society that you just mentioned, which was a nonviolent group in Philadelphia. Eventually, we realized that we didn't really have a songbook that led itself to that kind of group singing. And so we ended up making first a songbook called Winds of the People that was kind of homegrown and and just sold out of people's basements. And then eventually, uh, Rise Up Singing was a kind of a more out-in-the-open commercial venture of the same kind of songbook. Let's jump into some of the music that you've picked for your Song of the Soul. Tell me about song number one you picked out for your Song of the Soul and why you picked it out. Well, I uh, wanted to start with Bob Frankie. I know Bob Frankie's been interviewed on your show before. Bob, who was actually, I believe, trained in seminary before he became a folk singer, he has a very special and unusual take on Christianity. He takes things kind of out of the box and takes some of the deepest meanings that are found in the Bible and takes them to a completely different place. And this particular song called Still Small Voice is one that Andy and I often do like to perform together at our concerts. And just, I guess I wanted to start there because it lights a fire in my heart, so to speak. The phrase, still small voice, I'm actually used to it as a small still voice, biblical origin. You grew up Quaker. Did you ever leave Quakerism and get away from those silent meetings, those still voices? I never left Quakerism. I have enjoyed other traditions. I actually took vows at one point as a Buddhist at a Thich Nhat Hanh retreat, and I've stayed for retreats in monasteries at Iona in Scotland, and at Tezé in France, and at Weston in Vermont. 
but I never have had any real leading to leave the Quaker fold. The sense of God touching people's hearts inwardly, whether in silence or in things like what we call meetings for business, is just very, very special to me. And I don't think in this particular time on this planet, I expect to follow any other path in terms of my main focus. Well, Bob Frankie does a great job of singing about going to that place, the still small voice. This is Bob Frankie singing the first song for Peter Blood's Song of the Soul. It is called Still Small Voice. In a still small voice in the middle of the night Brother Martin heard the simple truth And he followed its pleading Though it led to a crossroads parting In the days of my youth From the heart of my city came a single scream And I heard it through all the white noise And the papers told me that they'd killed the dream But they never killed the still small voice All the lies come at you in a million ways Some you hear and some you tell yourself And they say that virtue is a pile of gold And that weapons are a nation's wealth But when kings stand naked in their ugly schemes Will the poor of this world rejoice? Will they sell their children down a bloody stream? Or will they listen to a still small voice? Now the one-eyed bandit in your living room will convince you that you have no time. It will swear to take you on your one free ride while it's looking for your last dime. But the light of heaven is a simple gift. You can see it when you make that choice. It will shine like riches in your inmost heart And it will speak in a still small voice Oh, the sky will open when the trumpet sounds And the thunder will shake these walls And these stones so silent as they ring us round They will shatter when they hear that call And these chains will clatter when they hit the ground And the people make a joyful noise When my lover comes to call me home 
It will be in a still small voice concerts he and his wife Annie do sometimes when they're out sharing their music with the world. Do you guys get out pretty frequently these days? Not as often maybe as we did in the past. You know, this is the 20th anniversary of Rise Up Singing, so we are doing more concerts and workshops probably during the next year to celebrate that 20th anniversary. We have some things coming up in California, in Boston, other places around the East Coast so, you know, we, I have a full-time job as a professor in University of Massachusetts Nursing School, so I don't have as much time to travel as I might like, but we do get around when we get the opportunity. She does a lot more workshops and concerts on her own than just with me. You work in the nursing school. Do you have a specialty? I'm an advanced practice psychiatric nurse, so my specialty is family therapy and psychiatric nursing. I've done a lot of different things over the years, but I have had a small private practice in marriage and family therapy over time, and also studied in a spiritual direction program called the Sholem Institute in Washington, D.C., and that particular program, which emphasizes training gifts in spiritual nurture or spiritual direction, kind of blended nicely with my marriage and family therapy training. So often when I will meet with clients, I kind of blend together what you might call psychological work and spiritual work. Sounds like you've had a really full life on on so many levels. And speaking of life, I think song number two that you picked out is called In This Life. This is by Pat Humphreys. Is she Quaker? Is she Quaker-connected? She's not really Quaker. She certainly practices, I think, a kind of spirituality that speaks to a lot of Quakers. Her song, Swimming to the Other Side, is a kind of a eco-spiritual anthem, I guess. So I think her faith may meet people who have those kinds of faith journeys, but we know her through her music work primarily. And I chose this song, actually, when I was working with Pete Seeger and Pat Humphreys and some others to come up with a list of songs for a sequel to Rise Up Singing, which has actually not been released yet. Pat, every time our committee would get together to sing songs together, would bring one or two songs out of her guitar case. And every time she would sing a song, all of us would say, oh my gosh, we've got to put that song in. And this was one of the songs that she sang at one of those committee meetings of the planning group for the sequel to Rise Up Singing. This song spoke to me particularly deeply because it talked about the need for those who are victims of sexual trauma to find a safe place in their journey. The first song of Bob Frankie's, I thought, articulated this way in which God moves into our lives, planting seeds, leading us out into the world, leading us to a way of faithfulness. But you really can't follow that journey if you aren't able to find a certain kind of deep emotional safety first. And to me, Pat's song communicates how people can begin to find that safety who may have had things done to them which violated that in their past. 
So you obviously think about that as a therapist. Is this a personal issue too? Do you feel like before you went out and became part of this activist network, you part of, you had to go through your own healing to get out there? I think it happened for me personally in a little bit the other way around. I was involved in political work and work to make the world a better place from a rather early age, certainly since my teenage years. And it was only really a little later that I began to be in touch with some of the traumatic things that happened in my own childhood, which included some sexual violation and some other traumas. So this is an issue for me personally, not just an issue in terms of the work I do with clients. What is there particular about the lyrics to this song that grab you? It's a beautiful song, totally, and the thing that sits with me is the chorus, I am worthy, I am safe. What is it that grabs you in the song? People who are abused frequently not only bear the scars of what has been done to them, but their own loss of self-esteem, their own sense of blame, their sense of being blocked in themselves. So when safety is provided, whether by a spiritual community or by a therapist or by close friends and family, then the individual is able to feel worthy, to feel special again, to overcome those kind of blocks that have come from those scars. It's a beautiful song. It's by Pat Humphreys. And we're sharing it today as part of Peter Blood's Song of the Soul. The name of the song is In This Life. In this life, though the sounds be strained and thin, let the voice inside me rise and the strength be beckoned in. For these words within ring more clearly on the outside. They resound beyond the hillside. I am worthy, I am safe. In this life, though my fingers try and fail, let me breathe through hollow wood. Living reed, let sound prevail. For this whistler's tune shatters emptiness with sweetness, filling in the gap between us. I am worthy, I am saved In this life I am but one Of a million starving others Robbed of everything but hunger We are prisoners together I am one, but one of many Single voices in the silence That refuse the lies that bind us We are worthy we are saved In this life Though my body's stiff and heavy Let the grace inside my limbs Stay the stillness that defends me For each move I make Brings me closer to the dancer I am healing from my terror I am worthy I am saved in this life I am but one Of a million starving others Robbed of everything but hunger We are prisoners together I am one, one of many single voices in the silence That refuse the lies that bind us We are worthy, we are saved 
be strained and thin Let the voice inside me rise And the strength be beckoned in For these words within Ring more clearly on the outside They resound beyond the hillside I am worthy, I am saved The wonderful musician you just heard there is Pat Humphreys The song is in this life And Peter Blood who is, amongst other things, a co-author, co-editor of Rise Up Singing, the group singing songbook. I mean, you've got a big number of copies out there. How many do you have out there of that so far? Well, we kind of lost track, but I think the last number I heard used by our publisher was a million copies. And it's definitely, for a folk music publication, kind of off the charts, since usually folk music publications sell, at best, ten or 20,000 copies, and it's been very uh, encouraging just to travel around the earth and see how many people have been touched by this book. Certainly when we felt led to create it, we had no clue that it would strike a chord for so many people in so many places as it has. Before we go on, I want to make sure we remember your website. What's the website where people can find the book? It's called Quakersong.org. If you just put Quaker and song together, that's the name of the website. Well, let's continue on through your spiritual journey as reflected by music. Let me tell you a little bit about the next song that I wanted to go to because it kind of flows out of the last one. It's sung by another one of our favorite singers, David Roth. David is another one of those amazing songwriters that has written songs that really go to the, the quick, so to speak. This particular song called John and Josie is a song about one family's response to the loss of their son to AIDS and how they, in a sense, healed their own loss by reaching out to another a baby with AIDS that was not related to them. And the reason why I chose this song is, obviously, the support that's given by other people is critical to the ability to heal and move forward from any kind of trauma, whether it's loss like from AIDS or whether it's... The song also talks about the shame of these parents when none of their family would support them in their efforts to be there for their son who was dying from AIDS. But also, I think that the kind of love that is given by this couple, as expressed in David Roth's song, is really a kind of a metaphor for the way... God loves each of us, and the way we can access God's love and support in our own struggle to find safety and find a ground that we can go out into the world and live the lives that we need to live. John and Josie's only child Young and handsome, fast and wild Join the army at 18 Left the army at 18 Drifted then from job to job Town to town and love to love Seven years forever Till young Johnny came marching Johnny wasn't looking well 
Walked into the hospital. Days turned into several weeks. Johnny kept on losing weight. Josie said, "John, sit down." John cried, "Oh God, not my son." Johnny left at twenty-five, a hole as big as Jupiter. There's nothing stronger than the love John and Josie had for Johnny. Through him, his last.
the same could happen. Losing Paul before his time comes. John and Josie look right past it. They're basking in love's mighty presence. John and Josie don't have time. They're basking in love's mighty presence. That was John and Josie performed by David Roth. It's on David Roth's album, If You Can't Fly. And it was chosen by my guest for today's Song of the Soul, Peter Blood. Do you feel like your spiritual journey, your your faith has changed a lot over the years? Yes, I think it has quite a lot. And this very much relates to my own journey with my own growth as a person. But for a long time, the way I responded to some of the difficult experiences I had as a child was the sense that I needed to be in charge all the time myself. I needed to save the world. I needed to fix situations. And that can be a positive thing, I suppose, in the sense of getting a lot of things done that are positive, but it also leaves you in a kind of a a bit of a lonely place. These songs that we've been playing in this life and John and Josie kind of talk about how I've grown towards recognizing more that I don't have to do it on my own, that I don't have to carry the burdens of the world on my shoulder, that I can lean both into other people who love me and care for me inside my faith community or inside my family or inside my circle of friends, and that I can also lean on God that way. That's, I think, a continual process of growth that I find both for myself personally and also in my marriage. And actually, ironically, the next song that I wanted to ask for was a song that my wife, Annie Patterson, sings on one of the teaching discs that she created to accompany Rise Up Singing, so people can learn the tunes in Rise Up Singing. And this particular song is a shaker song called I Will Bow and Be Simple. This song, to me, communicates that sense of grace in not needing to do it all yourself that you can actually lean on God or be broken in a way that is an opening rather than a destructive thing. I will bow and be simple. I will bow and be free. I will bow and be humble. Yea, bow like the willow tree. I will I will bow and be 
that was I Will Bow and Be Simple. Beautiful voice you heard there is Annie Patterson, sometimes known as Annie Patterson Blood and Peter Blood, and it's all confusing to me, but they make great music together, and they've been sharing it with Quakers in the world for a long time. And we're listening to Peter Blood's Song of the Soul today. That song, Peter, part of my reaction to it is those of us in liberal circles, and liberal Quaker circles, sometimes are very reactive against giving up control. There's something, because we don't want the group to control us, we have a lot of survivors from other religions who are afraid of the hierarchy or control from outside. Has that stuff changed in you? Well, I think different people are in different places in this experience or journey. We actually have led workshops a number of times at a wonderful retreat center called Quaker Center in the uh, Redwoods near Santa Cruz, California. And I remember very vividly one uh, weekend we were leading a retreat there, and uh, different people in the group were offering up songs that had spoken to their own personal journey with God. And I offered up that song. And there was a woman who happened to be African-American, who said that that song was really hard for her because it talked about an easy yoke, and she said, yokes in my tradition are not a positive thing, and I need to throw off any sense of being yoked, whether it's to God or to anybody else. But as a white, middle-class American male, I think I've had plenty of experience being in charge and being kind of on top of the groups and situations that I've been involved in and learning to kind of counter that by a paradoxical giving up of control and letting others, in a sense, have more power and say is a very positive step for me and has actually been a form of relief or liberation. I always thought that parenting was what was supposed to teach you that you weren't in charge. (laughs) Good point. Let's go on to the next song that you've picked out. What would you have us do next, Peter? Well, this one's a bit of a switch. We've been doing a lot of folk music. This is a song that comes from a very different tradition. It does go to women's gift to men of spirituality. This is a woman named Hildegard von Bingen, or Hildegard of Bingen, who was a medieval mystic, lived in the 12th century in Europe, She created some amazing songs. I guess they sound to us like what you might call Gregorian chants. And I chose this song because listening to this kind of music has been a very, very healing thing for me. I have listened to these kinds of songs, kind of riding on the train to commute into Philadelphia to a hospital job I had there, or just lying in bed at night trying to kind of calm down my soul. And this particular song, which I think the title of means essentially Come Eternal Spirit or Come Eternal Soul. And it's an invitation to God to bring a kind of um, fire into our hearts or into our lives that will bring peace and bring grace. So I guess I, I chose this song to really give a glimpse, maybe like the first song about the still small voice, of a way of meeting God in a very silent place or a very quiet place in one's heart. Do you 
think of yourself as leaning strongly on the contemplative side? I mean, you've had your activist phase, but contemplation is a major part of your life now or then? I have certainly tried to blend them together throughout my life, some periods more than others. I still consider myself an activist, even though a lot of my activism is directed towards things like music today or work with Quakers. But to me, it's all one piece. You can't just address the world's ills and ignore the inner motions of the soul or do one without the other. If you're addressing one without the other, to me, to me, working on both levels is equally important. If you try to change the world without finding a place of deep peace with God in your heart, then your efforts to change the world will probably fall flat or you will give up in exhaustion in the process. And likewise, if you try to find peace with God and ignore the terrible suffering in the world, whether it's from hunger or from environmental disaster or from war, then you're basically not responding to the motion of love towards all the suffering that's around us. The song, let me see, my Latin is pretty rough since I'm not Catholic, since I was an adult. Veni Spiritus, what's the next word? Eternorum. Eternorum, Alme. It's from Hildegard of Bingham. This is Song of the Soul, and Mark helps meet, and you're listening to Peter Blood's Song of the Soul today.
gift to us from Hildegard of Bingham. Something you said in introducing that previous song, Peter, that I was going to follow up on. I know you've had this collaboration with Pete Seeger for a long, long time. And one of the things you said is about the dual direction of support and activism. You said, without God, it's not sustainable. And I've talked to you before about Pete Seeger, and he has mainly declared himself not to be a believer. I don't know if he says atheist. Tell me what your impression of that is. He's certainly been sustainable coming up on 90 years now. Well, his journey has changed a lot with God, actually, over the years. I've had the wonderful privilege of being able to work with him on a number of projects, including his autobiography called Where Have All the Flowers Gone? So I learned a lot more about him through working on that book. He did come from a family that was rooted in what you might call socialist thinking that was very suspicious of religion or organized religion. For a long time, you are correct that he probably would have called himself a non-believer. But as his years continued, he has kind of rethought that. And in his book, he talks about his faith and how he is comfortable now with calling himself a believer or articulating an understanding of God that is important to him. But actually, I think that Pete is a wonderful example of someone who, in a sense, goes beyond the labels. Even though, for many years, he didn't participate in organized churches or Quaker meetings, he has always lived a life of profound dedication to the deepest movements of the heart in the world. Pete is one of those people who reaches out on a one-to-one basis no matter who you are. You could be a complete unknown, so to speak, in a musical sense. Come up to Pete and he will give you his complete attention and will support you and reach out to you. Whether you are from Africa or India or just down the road on the Hudson River Valley where he lives, I guess what I'm saying is To me, there is no question that God was at work in the kind of love that Pete has poured out in all of his work and all of his music for the last nearly 90 years. It's true that he now explicitly puts that in a more spiritual context, whereas he didn't earlier. But to me, it doesn't matter. The same movements were at work in his writing and his relationships to other people around him and in his work, regardless of the particular labels that you put on it. Well, I know we're going to end with a song from him, but I think we've got one more before we arrive at the Holy Grail of Pete Seeger. (laughs) Who's their next step along your spiritual journey and towards Pete Seeger, I think? Pete, of course, one of the most wonderful things, one of his real missions in life has been to try and encourage diversity and multiculturalism and the appreciation of drawing upon many, many different cultures and threads. He's helped to introduce people to music from all over the world. I wanted to choose one song from a man in Zimbabwe, a country very much in the news today because of the recent conflicts over the elections there. And this particular man is a musician named Oliver Tukudzi. Uh, He's a Zimbabwean. He has done some wonderful CDs. He's had a big impact on a lot of musicians, both in this country and abroad. Um, 
people like Bonnie Raitt and Miriam Makiba, all kinds of people around the world have been influenced by his music. He's a very spiritual person, a very Christian man, and I chose a particular song off of an album called the Oliver Tukudzi Collection that's called Wake Up, and it's uh, at least in part in English, and I like the song because, to me, once you establish the safety, once you establish the sense of being grounded, once you begin to hear God's voice in your heart, hopefully that leads to emotion out into the world, out to others, to let others know what you have found is so special. One of my big gripes with Quakers is I feel that Quakers kind of hide their light under a bushel. You know, they kind of have their nice little quiet meeting, off in a meeting house that's off the main road. They maybe have a tiny little sign that says, you're welcome to come join us. But, you know, people could live right next door Quakers for 20 or 30 years and never know that they were there in many cases. And so I like Oliver Tukudzi's sense of, you know, wake up and let other people see a little bit about what's so special to you.
Tutsi from Zimbabwe is the artist. Peter Blood chose it as part of his Song of the Soul. Call for all of us to wake up and share and see what's good in our life and pass it on. A reminder to our listeners here, Quakersong.org is the website where you can find out about Peter and Annie and Rise Up Singing. Annie's got her CD that she's released, another one coming up. You can find out what they're doing, where they're going. And so Quakersong.org is the place to check that out. You know, Peter, we've been through a, a lot of talking about your life. I know you play guitar. Do you play other instruments? I assume you play probably 20 instruments. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do uh, instrumentally? Uh, not, not 20 instruments, but I do sometimes play the djembe. Uh, sometimes I'll play the fiddle. Those are the three instruments that I play the most. I'm not very good at the djembe, to be honest, but I'm a, I'm a decent guitar and fiddler, and, and we'll pull those out at concerts or at sing-alongs that we do. I should mention about the website that it doesn't just have stuff about us and our music per se. It also has a lot of materials on the website about articles that I've written about spirituality and Quakerism, some teaching curriculum for courses that I've taught for Quakers, sections about healing work and sexuality and other issues of concern to people of faith today. And in addition, there's a lot of stuff about Pete Seeger on there. One of the parts of the website that is actually the most visited is a section on Quakers and music. A lot of people don't realize, even in the past, it was not considered okay to do vocal and instrumental music as friends, but that's changed very much during this particular century. And there are over 50 people who are Quakers who are doing music professionally who have little sections of this page on the website. And a lot of people who may not be active Quakers themselves, like Joan Baez and Bonnie Raitt, both come from Quaker backgrounds. And others like John McCutcheon didn't start out as Quakers, but have gotten involved more recently. So it's kind of an interesting list of people uh, all over the country and even abroad, like in England, who have a, a kind of a Quaker connection to their music. Tell me about the last song you picked. It's Pete Seeger. Well, again, this is not a explicitly religious song, but to me, whenever people really join their hearts together and support each other to live the lives the way they need to live, God is at work in that process. This particular song comes off of an album which Pete Seeger did in the early 1980s called The Sing-Along Demonstration Concert. Pete Seeger had made many, many albums, probably scores of albums before this, but he said that the live concert albums, like the famous Carnegie Hall concert album, didn't really convey the way in which he did his concerts. He's always been not just a performer, but a song leader. And because the mics in those concerts were really only directed towards the stage, at most you really only heard the audience clapping between songs. And so he asked the people at Folkways Records to set up a concert for him that would be basically designed to recreate the experience of Pete Seeger leading hundreds or even thousands of people in song. It's an extraordinary album that's still available from Smithsonian Folkways Records. And this particular song is called Old Devil Time. He actually wrote this, ironically, for a Hollywood film. I think it's the only time anybody called him up and said, would you write a song for a movie that we're making? But it's one of his most powerful songs about community and about the way people support each other in their struggles together. The song is Old Devil Time. 
Pete Seeger performing it as part of the sing-along demonstration concert at Sanders Theater. Oh, devil time, I'm gonna fool you now. Old devil time, you'd like to bring me down When I'm feeling low, my lovers gather round And help me rise to fight you one more time Old devil fear, you with your icy hand Old devil fear, you'd like to freeze me cold Now when I'm sore afraid My lovers gather round And help me rise To fight you one more time Old devil hate I knew you long ago Then I found out The poison in your breath Now when we hear your lies My lovers gather round And help me rise To fight you one more time No storm or fire Can ever beat us down No wind that blows But carries us further on And you who fear Oh, lovers gather round We can rise and sing it one more time No storm or fire can ever beat us down No wind that blows but carries us further on And you who hear all lovers gather round And we can rise and sing it one more time No storm or fire could ever beat us down. No storm or fire can ever beat us down. No wind that blows but carries us further on. And you who fear, oh, lovers gather round. And we can rise and sing one more time. Pete Seeger performing it, and it's the last song that we have today for Peter Blood's Song of the Soul. I want to thank you, Peter, so much for joining me today, for especially you were a seminal influence in my life. I was just learning really a lot about music in the 1980s when I met and started singing with you at the noon gatherings at the FGC gathering. So thank you for being part of that, and thanks for all the gift of music that you've helped pass on to the world. Well, Mark, I'd like to just kind of close by saying a kind of a prayer or a hope for your listeners that each of those of you that are listening to this show can find healing and safety and support in your life to move forward with whatever you need to be doing, whether it's with your families, with your friends, with your vocation, because I believe that the kind of spiritual fire that Hildegard of Bingham was talking about is available to each of us in whatever path we're walking. Hopefully, song and music will help uh, all of you out there to find that more fully in your own life. 
That was Peter Blood, my guest for today's Song of the Soul. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy. Sing out a song of the soul and